Hey, and welcome to another edition of Book Nation. I'm Nell Coakley. I'm Chris Stevens. And we're super excited today because we are going to have our first panel of librarians in with us. Mm -hmm. It is very exciting. It's very exciting. But first, we're going to um, do a little book news, Chris. Um, so my book news, I guess this month, I read earlier this month, I had read that J.D. Salinger's son is going to, and, and his widow, uh, not his son's widow, J.D. Salinger's widow, are going to release um, sort of the never-before-seen writings of J.D. Salinger. So it was always speculated. He died in, what, I think 2010? The last thing he had published was 1965, and they'd always said, you know, people were sure that he was writing, you know, holed up in his house in Cornish, New Hampshire. Um, which I no doubt that he probably was, but he never published anything after that. Okay, I, I just have now to... they're going to publish it. No, <laughs> see that's what I said. That's kind of no. I have very mixed feelings about this because this is this this feels like the um, the drawer of uh, Harper Lee. Exactly. I mean, yes, the woman, yeah. the woman exactly. wrote exactly. the perfect yeah. book, and yeah. it, it became you know a movie that won a best. I mean, it couldn't get more perfect. You're at the height of everything, and then you like her sister pulls out this thing from a drawer. It's like probably trash. I don't know. I've never read it. I I've never it. read it either. But I feel like it was not published for a reason. They didn't so, want it published yeah. for a reason. And I I kind of have that feeling about J.D. Salinger. I mean, I know he was a, he was a recluse, and I know maybe he was just insecure about his writing. I don't know. So maybe it will be fabulous, but I feel like yeah. they're playing with fire. I said no. Okay. okay that was my now. thought. That was my thought. What was your other piece of um, The other one was, what did I write? Um, oh, so I saw an article that said, it asked, what was your favorite winter book? And I thought, oh, a book set in winter. I don't, I, I don't even know. Well, of course, Anything. The Shining was the perfect. Anything written by George R. R. Martin. <laughs> that song, <laughs> fire, a song of ice, fire. I don't know what it's called. But it's the Game of Thrones stuff. Anything yeah. that's said in that. Um, I was telling Chris before that there's a, an author that I particularly love. He's a British author. His name is Stephen Booth, and he writes um, a mystery series about two British detectives in the um, Midlands up in the Peak District, which is where Stone, you know, not where Stone hinges, but. It's uh, it's pretty cool, and it's. I always feel like every time I read that, I'm in the wrong season. So most of the time, I'm reading about the winter stuff in the summer, <laughs> yeah. the summer stuff in the winter. So, sure. but it's like very cold, always rainy, cool. dreary. It's very atmospheric. It's very atmospheric. I like uh, one of my favorites is actually um, the Weight of Winter by Kathy Pelletier. She's a Maine author mm -hmm. who I just. Love it's a quirky. She writes about a quirky small town, and the family's in it. And Weight of Winter is a lot is it like of it. like a series? Yeah. No, no. But she does it actually. But she's written several books, The Funeral Makers, and I don't remember if A Marriage in Woodstock. There's another one that you. There's overlap with the characters. It's not really a series, but there's an overlap with characters. They pop up in some of her books. Um, these are. I don't know, these were written a it's while always ago. Winter? They're not new. No, but the weight of winter is set in winter in Madagash. Winter in Madagash, Maine go is a very, very cool. long time and they're sort of stuck in the house a lot and it just follows these sort of quirky and characters and the one um, that it really sort of focuses on is she's hundred and seven, so you sort of see everything and through her eyes and she was born the same year the town was established, so she's as old as the town. That's cool. Yeah, it's just it's kinda like Beans of Egypt, Maine. It's just one of those sort of quirky quirky characters. But anyway, those are mine. So I I went back because we were, we have librarians on our show today. Um, it, this sort of goes back to the one that I had before, where we we found that a book that was was it like seventy some odd year mm -hmm. old book that had. So it made me wonder, like, what is the oldest book that a library has ever 
received back from somebody, and I found that. And it was <laughs> it was the San Francisco Library received a book that was 100 years overdue, and the ironic title of the book was called 45 Minutes Late. <laughs> and the book the book came in in 2017. It was like the fine was like three thousand six hundred fifty bucks. Did it pay? Wow. Well, it said it said that the the San Francisco Chronicle said that the woman, um, she oh, she had checked out this this series of stories in 1917. She was 83 in 1917, and she was in the library. Okay, so she checks out this book. She's 83. She died the week before it was due. Oh. And her family like didn't real like you know they're you know how that is. you're cleaning yeah. out stuff you're not yeah. even thinking about it so this book was in a trunk right for eighty years and then her grandkids discovered it while they were and they realized holy crud this isn't grandma's like <laughs> this isn't grandma's but it's a library so they sent it back to the library and and you know they had an amnesty program so. Um, it wasn't late. You could bring it in that week of like uh, November when you always do food for fines. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, Here's so a can of peas and okay. a hundred year old book. So the book, so the book was cataloged and it's available. And so what I wanted to know from our librarians was this, um, because this is the same question I had the last time when we had one of these stories, and it's it was sort of like, well, the book is over a hundred years old. Like, what do you want to do? You keep it? Do you say, you know, thanks? We have another copy of it. Send <laughs> yeah. it back. You We've since replaced that. You love the book so much that you could keep it. Do you? Or I mean, what do you do with it? So, let's introduce our librarians because okay. I want to get this take from from them. So we have Melissa Gaspar from the Middleton Public Library. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Barbara Kerr. You want to say hi, Melissa? Hello. <laughs> the Flint Public Library in Middleton. Middleton. We have a different name. Sorry. Um, I know. So does the... Wait till I get... I'm going to go to him next. Alex Lett, who is the director of the... The, the Peabody Institute Library of Danvers. Danvers that's right. So complicated, Alex. You know how hard that is to write in the newspaper? <laughs> I do. And, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we're right next door to the Peabody Institute Library of Peabody. And... Uh, <laughs> It is confusing. It's a pain. Sometimes we say Danvers Library, which is not technically correct, but my strategy is to, in my head, write it capital D Danvers apostrophe lowercase l library. Like it's Danvers yes. Library. It's Danvers, Danvers Library. Yes. And then we have um, Barbara Kerr, who is the director of, and I know this one, and I'm going to say it right. It is the Medford Public Library. Yes. <laughs> so far. So far before they change it. Oh my God, I know. Um, so what I guess I guess I wanted to ask you guys. So what what do you do when you? I mean, obviously, have you ever gotten? I was a, have you a ever book had a book that was like battles. crazy overdue? Something. Yeah, we get yeah. them back every now and then. We don't usually. It depends, though. If it's something that's still valid, we'll put it back in. But there's mm. we've gotten things back, but we just discarded them. But because they're fun when they come in and they've got the card instead yeah, of a barcode, right. and you can see when it was due. I think we got one, we got some stuff from the seventies at wow. one point recently. I think we kept one, and the other one we didn't. We, uh, I'm always astonished by these stories because for us, if something's lost for a significant amount of time, you know, like six months, typically it's just deleted. Yeah, it's just deleted. Yeah. We've got to maintain okay. our, our records. And we also cap our fines at... Yeah, $3, uh, $5, yeah, $5 or something. For real? So, yeah. uh, okay. I think they're being a little bit... Oh, we're not supposed to tell people that. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to keep the bit. guilt going so they bring stuff back. Yeah, they're being, I think they're being tricky with that overdue fine, but... Uh, well, I think they estimated that if it's, I think it was like 10 cents a day. Yeah. yeah. Really, if it's 10 cents a day. 10 cents a day back then was pretty steep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. We're at 10 cents a day now. Now, exactly. <laughs> and we actually don't charge fines, overdue fines at the Flint Public Library. So 
Um, we're just happy if something comes back, but if it hasn't come back, <laughs> we, um, you know, just replace it if it's something that we Wouldn't really you just want send to. a little note saying, thank you so much, and then keep, like, well, keep exactly. the book, oh, here's yeah. the book back. I had someone call me when she bought a Medford book at a yard oh, sale in Texas and was worried about whether we needed it or not. And it was, oh I said, look at the little card. It was something that gone out in 1920-something. <laughs> I thought, wow. no, that's fine. Thank you. But and it was very kind of her to call. That is funny. <laughs> we have people that find uh, discarded books at the transfer station because there's a okay. little exchange. Yeah, they worry about and they those. bring them back. Do they? That's well, funny. I found this at the exchange, <laughs> and I know um, you must be looking for it. No. <laughs> but it says discard it's in discarded. the back. Yeah. That's funny. My grandmother worked at a library. I have a lot of discarded books from the Carroll Library from New York. <laughs> I did get a fine once, um, or I checked in a book, and the fine came up as something like, you know, $105,000. Because someone, when they ent when they were cataloging the book, they put the decimal in the wrong spot. Oh, so when she did it, I was sort of like, oh, well, I, uh, well, I'll just wave this. And, yeah. yes. so they probably got out of like, a $4 fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think the last, the when Chris and I did a, a prior show, and we, we found one that the, the girl, the little girl was like two, and she had checked out something about the mail in the 1920s, was it? Yeah, oh and, yeah, it was the book about the postman. Yeah, the, about being a postal worker, and she loved it so much. And then, you know, she, as an adult, she found this book and was like, oh, this is overdue. So she sent it back, <laughs> and, you know, they were like, okay, well, we'll put it, we, they put it back into rotation. I was like, really? Can't you just, that's why I want to ask yeah, the library, can't you just have her have it? She obviously loved it for 75 years. <laughs> it was in her collection. If people pay for the book, and then find it, we of course let them yes. keep it. They sometimes try to return it. Like, I found it, here it is. But because. No, we have our 10 cents, we don't <laughs> yes, really do. Well, this is if they pay yeah. for a lost book. Because right. we don't. So if they paid like $20 for a nice new hardcover and then they find it. But once the money goes to the town, we can't do refunds. Sure. So I just say, you paid for that book, you now own it. Mm -hmm. It's all yours. It's all <laughs> you loved it so much you couldn't return it. So Chris and I wanted to um, do this roundtable because we wanted to talk about libraries. And we wanted to talk a little bit with our librarians about, you know, the changes that they've seen over the years and, you know, what exactly it is libraries do now. I mean, some people say they're, oh, they're so outdated. But no. you yeah. can find <laughs> anything in the library. New books, old books. Yeah. Periodicals, magazines. So, what are some of the stuff? What is stuff? stuff Lots yeah, of yeah. stuff. Stuff. So, stuff. I mean, other than you know, there's e-readers and and books on. I want to say books on tape, but now they're books on CD. Yeah, audiobooks. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, I mean, what Short are the biggest? Age. I know. What are the biggest? I still have a tape cassette, a cassette player in my car, so she does. Um, what are some of the biggest changes that you guys have seen over? Well, as far as um, circulating materials. Um, Around Earth Day, we're going to kick off a knapsack with a pair of binoculars. Oh, cool. With like a guide to local birds. That is so neat. Flowers. Love it. I can, can see Barbara looking at the other two going, going yeah, we can like that. We have a plan and for that. I know too. a lot of libraries <laughs> have telescopes, and the summer yes, reading program is going to be out of this world. Um, but I found that telescopes are so expensive, like people sometimes leery about borrowing. There's a grant borrowing. program. Something. <laughs> that's how we got ours. We did. That's true. You can get a grant. But we thought binoculars, they don't cost that much, and they're in a little knapsack. 
and we're encouraging people to go out and, ex and we're going to put a little tick repellent in there to oh, go out yes. and explore. So is it for kids, adults, for anybody? All ages. Oh, that's we got so cool. The, we got I the binoculars it. that are for kid-friendly or adults. Okay. So they fit both. I love that so idea. We do that as well. So we, we partnered with um, our local rec department, Parks and Rec department. Um, and actually, we ripped the idea off of uh, a library in Colorado, so I'll give you all the credit, <laughs> State Library of Colorado. Um, so we, we do the same thing, binoculars, field guides, trail guides. Um, we also put in uh, State Parks Pass. Okay. So you can check oh, that out. Oh, that's cool. the idea. The idea is you can grab Bro, We don't have a state park near Medford. Yeah, but we have the pass, though. People, Walden Pond's the closest, I think. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there are 150 across the state, so it's... Yeah. Uh, that's a good idea. Great. So your pass, ship. basically the pass works anywhere, so you can just... You get, you get free parking. Free parking. Yeah, Go that, anywhere. That's usually that's cool. the, the cost of admission. Yeah. And libraries have all kinds of passes to different places, oh. right? Mm -hmm. How does that work? So if I if I wanted to go somewhere... <laughs> well, ours are paid for by the Friends, which is good. But they're, mm -hmm. they, most of the major museums and a lot of other places have library pass programs. So you check out the pass for a day, or you... What they've switched to now, which is good, is you can get a ticket for an individual day. Yeah. And the Children's yeah. Museum just went digital so that you can, you don't even oh, have really? to come in and get it anymore. Okay. You can do it online. And wow. it's that's it's, kind of nice. Uh, they're not free. At one point, they were free, and then now they're pretty much, some of them are free, some of them are very low price, and some yeah. of them are like a half price. I know, like the RCMFA, the Museum of Fine Arts, is $10. So yeah. museum, we just did the Museum of Science, mm -hmm. so we have those tickets that was $10. Ten dollars is much uh, better than what yeah, really yes. especially yes. if you it's take huge. in a bunch. And most of them are for four people or two people, yep. and it, it's it's a it's a good savings. It yeah. is a good savings. Um, the way I tell people about it is that it, it's like as, as if you became a member of the MFA and you get your little card and you can go all the time. Basically, mm -hmm. the library has become a member of the MFA, but we get lots of different cards so we can give them to different people. Yeah, I, I think not enough people take advantage of that. That you really right. should. I think a lot of people don't check know out that. with your local libraries and find out. Um, I think all of them are probably a little bit different. Um, yeah. Yeah. It is very common, and um, you know, when I'm trying to convince people to start lending out weird things in their libraries, because I was actually surprised to be on a book podcast, because I'm definitely not the book librarian. <laughs> <laughs> weird stuff. Uh, we have we have some interesting stuff. What do you have? What uh, do you guys lend? Uh, toys, tools, games, musical instruments, uh, American Girl dolls, video game consoles. Really, yeah. American yeah. Girl dolls. That's interesting. We yeah. have we have we have the telescope, which we did through the grant. You were talking about the grant, yeah. 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 And um, the Nahan Public Library, which is great. But we're also very lucky that we have a very a fairly well known astronomer that lives in in our town, and yeah. so he has taken people out. Yeah, oh, that's um, Yeah, on big nights, he'll bring you know if there's some something in the sky that you know come see, he'll take people out. But his which lever, is really uh, but cool. Danvers apparently. That's that's a lot of weird stuff. Well, that is. A, we have a ukulele. We don't have a. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> we have a bicycle repair kit, which is. Oh, a, that's yeah. cool. We're getting a new building, so we haven't built our collection of stuff uh, we're, yet. We're going to get to that. Yeah, yeah. We're get to that. But it's it's a toolkit full of bicycle repair tools, and then yeah. this giant rack thing that you can hang the bicycle on. Yes, yeah, so you can get on the. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's a cool well, idea. Storing it is a problem. So. Yeah, that would be. I could see that. Takes. We have we have gardening tools too. Yeah, it makes garden. sense because well, we have a community garden, so if um, people don't have gardening tools but they want to take part in the community garden, we partner with them. They can come up and get the tools and go and work. It hmm. does. It, it does make sense. It it's, makes sense. It's great from a cost sharing perspective. Libraries have been doing it for about a hundred years in different it's ways. Nice. Um, but you know, some people are, are very surprised by it. 
Um, I know I, I was. <laughs> when I try to convince a library that it's not that weird, I, I usually say, well, you know, museum passes are a little bit weird, too. Those aren't yeah, books, and you're already circulating books. those, yeah. so... You can do that. You can probably do this. I have to say, one of my favorite things that the library lends out is movies, because I went through a phase. My husband and I went through a phase several years ago where we needed to see apparently every Alfred Hitchcock movie ever made, (laughs) or that the Medford Public Library could get us, and we went through every like all these old Alfred Hitchcock movies. We stopped after a while. But. It's, it's nice. Like, our library has a lot of the um, uh, Channel 2 series yeah. and stuff, too. Which I And mean, some of the Netflix ones, even, too, when which is figure, really nice. People don't yeah. want to buy things. I mean, that's our basic right. principle is free, yeah. free, free service stuff. and free yeah. stuff. And a book is expensive. You borrow it from yeah. us. My brother's a great reader and sort of a book hoarder. And he called me up once and said, you know, you can you can put a hold on things and you can go and get the book at the library and then you, you give it back. You don't have to keep it. And I said, I never told you what I did for a yeah. living. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? And he turned into sort of like library guy because That's you, know, you read it and you're done with it. And sometimes you want to keep a book. But it really is, there, at one point people had this calculator thing on their websites. A lot yeah. of libraries where you put in five books and it calculated how much that would have cost you if wow. you bought them. Yeah, our receipts print out. Yeah, that's, that's cool. cool. That's cool. Right, that's you save money and space. I love so it. so many people yeah, well, are downsizing. That, yes, that's it too. Yep. Like someone just recently said, I used to buy all my own books, but then I had no room. You know, I didn't have any more room. That's bottom. fine with me. I just... And <laughs> some of the movie, still like the often, you might see a movie that you want to see over and over, but right. so often, once you've seen a movie... You really don't. I'm not going to look at it again. Yeah. So why not just borrow it? And even in terms of you know recycling, you're you're sharing things. Absolutely. You're passing yeah. everything around. So and I music, like a concept. lot of yeah. music. We music, just started yeah. doing music at our at, at our library. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Music CDs awesome. or music sheet music? Uh, music CDs. Oh, do you guys do sheet building. music? A little bit, you know, yeah. songbooks, Some yeah. Yeah. like songbooks. real books, cool. fake books. Yeah. Kind of. Which um, the the switch now is there's a lot of the media stuff is is streaming so yes. that's a transition that we're sort of it hasn't made that big a yeah. big a difference now but it's we're watching it because yeah. i think i was going to say well, how, going to how does that sort of how does that sort of change where you guys have to like we have freegal and i think probably all the libraries here have freegal it's free legal music downloads oh is that and why it's, it's called freegal yeah. yes <laughs> We, Alex, that. just <laughs> learned something new today. <laughs> Chris is scribbling quickly. I am. Yeah. <laughs> so, I didn't know it was. As soon as it's available on Freakle. Yeah. And so I, you know, we have been offering it, but the hard thing is getting the word out yes. so that yeah. people use it. Yeah, we have cool. It was one of the playlist and you. Basically, own it on whatever device you download it. That's on. cool. One of the reasons why we started doing ma- music is because we we started a, a dementia-friendly cafe oh, yeah, that we do cafe, in yeah. uh, Memory Cafe that we do in conjunction with a few other agencies in our town. Yeah. And I think through them we got a grant for music because that's a real uh, tool for working with people with dementia. So, so Barbara mentioned streaming, and I guess I wanted to ask you guys because that's that, that's been a big change. So people, and then people have their Kindle or their Nook or whatever it is or their they phone. have their phone. Or their phone, yeah. Oh, wow. And I, I, I will, I will be freely saying this in front of the librarians. I can't deal with that. I can't oh. stare at a screen, <laughs> move around. It makes my eyes. Well, I especially since our job. That's pretty much what we do. Is we sit in front of screens all day long. I want a book. I want you know to fall asleep, mm-hmm. and I want it to hit me in the face when I you know when I fall asleep. I want a solid thing. That's okay. So talk to me about streaming. Tell me about how that's changed the the library. 
Or if it or how? Well, it's, in terms of things like media, it's making a big difference because it is sort of primed to be a replacement for physical media down the road. Although mm-hmm. every time some new media comes out and someone says, "Ah, it'll be obsolete in ten years," the phone. it isn't. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like right. computer books are supposed to be obsolete by nineteen ninety, according to my library school professors. They were wrong. <laughs> but with books, they often are. What happened is when <laughs> when Kindles came in, there was a whole lot <laughs> of flailing that people thought, well. The Kindle's going to replace the book, but the truth is that it evened out, yeah. and people mm-hmm. who like Kindles read Kindles, and people who like books read books, and some people read both, because I just got new reading glasses, so I've gone back to print, but I was on the Kindle for a long time, because you make the print bigger. Bar- well, I just want to say this about Barbara, because I've known her a long, long time. This is the woman who goes on vacation and brings, what, a bag full a bag, of books. Yeah, my mother. I love her. <laughs> many <laughs> bags of books. Many, many bags. I'm like, are you going to read all those? So I can see why Sometimes. that would be great for people who... You well, know, that's like carry fifty books with yeah. them. I mean, I've had people apologize to me because they're like, "I'm sorry, I've switched to the Kindle," and I say, "I don't mind because it's still a library checkout. Well, exactly. Like if you go yeah. through OverDrive and you use the library's resources, it's just a different format, but you're still reading and you're still using the library because if you want a free library, you know, either ebook or audiobook download." If you go through OverDrive or other hmm. system that the library sponsors, it's free to you, but um, it's still a checkout. Yeah, I, I sort of feel the same way. Um, you know, there are a few things I wish we would just hurry up and replace already because DVDs. Such as yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> um, anything with a disc, really. Um, they get damaged so easily, they're so mm. cheaply made, their cases are awful. They. I mean, I feel like we should come together as a society and just buckle down <laughs> and figure out good, affordable CDs. Yeah, still trying to get rid of a penny, a, right? Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, yeah, so for me, I and I think this is go, goes back to the larger question of um, how have libraries changed. I, I think if we really step back, I, I kind of don't think they have. Um, mm. You know, when the internet came, people said, and people are still well, saying libraries are change. obsolete. Yeah. But it's really... It's just one more thing, and um, you know, let's pretend that print books go away. There's, there's no indication whatsoever that that's going to happen. But if they did, overall, our problem is still the same thing. What we do is we we pool our community resources, we buy a collection, and then we work to get it out to the public. That's what we do with print. That's what we do with streaming. That's what we sure. do with everything. And um, so, looking at it like that, I mean, we've always been about cost sharing. We've always been about community service. So it's just it's always just identifying needs and working to to meet them. What about, I, and I know that libraries too, that like sometimes I feel like watching when you're, when you're a reporter and you're watching the, the budgets and you sort of see the library, poor library, I feel like the library is always yeah. the last place where the money is either cut from or it's, you know, level funded. Um, but we've also noticed like in our communities recently, there's been more of a trend towards, um, you know, the phys- investing in the library, investing in the physical plant, investing in renovations, mm-hmm. you know, suddenly there seems to be this spurt from all our all our communities. So, and I think that all of you are sort of, interestingly enough, are have either gone through the process or in the process, and I know you, you and, um, and Dan Brazales, you guys just did like a big three-year strategic yeah. plan. So I guess I want to ask you guys individually to talk about a little about, you know, the changing physical plant and how that sort of you know impacts what you want to do in your in your libraries. So I guess we'll start with Melissa. Okay. Well, about ten years ago, the Flint Public Library did a huge renovation and expansion, 
and it allowed us to have this large program room. So now we have a tremendous amount of programming. We have a lot of programming for young children like Dance with Joy, Get Moving with Jessica, Miss Jessica. And we're finding that the programming is bringing tons of families into our library and they're checking out books. And our statistics are just going up. Like um, from last year to this year, we've checked out 7,000 more items. Like wow. we're tracking a huge amount, like it's up 17%. Wow. And, um, and from, you know, and more people coming in the library. And so we're running a lot of like clubs, like a current events discussion group. Because as technology advances, people are seeking community yeah, and face-to-face, mm -hmm. yeah, sure. small conversations and discussions. And so we're finding that more and more people are saying, like, the library is the hub of the community. The library mm -hmm. is where people gather, and, you know, it really is the heart and the... Um, the excitement and it's the place where like it's the community center nice that's pretty cool that is so cool. so how how did it go with the renovation barbara really wants to know this because i can see it in her face <laughs> what how did the the renovation go like how long did it take and, and i think it was in the works for several years before like there was a small committee trying for years and then um they you know, got the funding over maybe three or four years and the town voted for it. And it was built in like about a year and a half. So they had the funding and it opened in 2008. And since two, the expanded part, and since 2008, we've just been adding more and more programs. And um, we just were voted 2019 Most Loved Library. Aww. Nice! Yes. That's nice. So it might not have been your consortium. We don't do that. That is so cool. That is nice. Did you, did the funding, did you go through the state? Did you go through the um, Massachusetts? It was a combination library? of everyone. Okay. The friends raised a lot of money. The state helped us. We got a grant and the town supported nice. it. So, and um, individuals in the community also donated. They bought bricks or um, had naming opportunities. That's cool. So, it really, um, and they were able to restore the original building as well. So, it was wow. a renovation nice. and expansion. Yeah. Very cool. So. And Medford's about to... Uh, Medford, we're taking it down and starting over. Wow. <laughs> okay, I just want to say the Medford Public Library leaks like a sieve. Yeah, it does. Right? It, it does. does. Well, actually, this nice bunch of people came and they basically put rubber cement on the roof last year, so it leaks slightly less. <laughs> but, but, yeah, yeah, I'm sure today it's dripping in rubber. So are they really demolishing the building? Yeah. They, it's a 1960s. Wow. Yeah, 1960. And it's great, actually. They're actually, in the building that's going back up is going to be... Almost exactly the same footprint, but two full floors. So what do you do with the collection? We move out. Yeah, <laughs> well, I guess so. <laughs> well, a couple of different places. We looked at a old uh, high school that just closed, a Catholic school, yesterday. And that actually would be great, so we're hoping that'll be. Where? Where we'll go St. Clemens. Oh, St. Clemens. Oh, the building in St. Yeah, Clemens, okay. Which is cool. We, could have, we think we can have the whole second floor, and we would fit pretty well, so that'll be interesting. But we have wow. to clean out this building that... 
we've never thrown anything away because the second floor is storage. So there's like every piece of furniture we so ever owned. For people who don't know, I've never been there. It is, yeah, it's a 1960s building with, with two rectangle. floors. Yes. With two floors, and the second floor has never been used because too much weight up there will sink it. Oh, no, or something, it's because right? it's, it's, it, no, it's full. It's actually full of books. But it's because it's built into the side of a hill and was pre ADA, it's not accessible because you have to go up or downstairs. So yeah, it isn't, not it hasn't been used for the public since the 70s. <laughs> And I know there's a certain city councilor who'll be thrilled there'll be new bathrooms. I hope so. He was not really one of our supporters during <gasps> the discussion. Okay, we're not going to okay, talk, talk about that. I'm going to call But So that's going to be exciting. But what you were saying about community centers, the timing was very good because Medford has had a lot of new people move in. It's a really, like a hot real estate destination. Yeah. And they want community services. And the library is the city department that serves everybody, you know, age we always say zero to zero to Oscar Green, who turned 100 last year. And <laughs> God bless Oscar. God bless Oscar he can't Green. Come anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. I got to tell him his birthday is in May. He's out after he's 101. So you, you know, the services are there for everybody, and it makes sense. Things change with the internet, and and sort of the focus of library services change, but the the basic stuff is still the same. You're always right. there to serve the community. So right. when we started looking at building the new building, a big piece of it is public use spaces. So sure. there's a, I think it's like 14 public use rooms. Wow. And things like a maker space and a, yeah. a gallery and a cafe and all these different, and a lot of rooms for kids. So wow. it's going to be a real, it's going to be a real community center and, and have That's the fabulous. potential to do that. I mean, really amazing, the prospect of building this is And I remember crazy. we looked, we looked <laughs> I'm going to say, yeah, I mean, we did a story, I remember looking back at the use of the library and the actual, was it the charter, or what could go into the library, because yeah. there was a lot of conversation yes. about, well, this can't go there, and we were like, yes, it can, because really, when you look at the interpretation of what was left behind. Yeah, because if it wasn't used as a library, that land, it would revert to the heirs of Thatcher Magoon, the shipbuilder, so it could be a... It couldn't have any other city offices. Like somebody right. wanted to put the TV3 studio in there and you couldn't do it. It had to be a library. It had to be library functionality. Even if the rooms are for public use. The, That's very cool. They have to like be things at the library. He left that like specific yeah. land use, which I think was yeah. really ahead of his time. Well, actually, it was his, his, his heirs. adopted daughter. Yes. <laughs> we also left the room across the... the, the uh, he left. She left the land across the street to the church. How long? Uh, how long is the process going to go on? <laughs> we're moving in July. They say eighteen months to. We're going to have a lease for two years in the temporary space. Yeah. So it should because be, it always goes longer than you think it's going to. Well, go. exactly. It yeah. should be fairly yeah. straightforward because they're really just taking it down. They don't have to do a lot of complicated drilling or anything. So hopefully, it better will be parking. Straightforward. I, I, I'm so like this. Slightly. This is where I go. Slightly. We'll be up to 40 spaces Ooh, from 27. Wow. So that's, that's exciting. Good. They figured out if you slanted. Well, the way it is right now is whoever parks first determines how many cars fit in the parking lot because <laughs> there are no lines. So People can't park without lines. No. It's crazy. No, this week was bad. Somebody came in like that and that was it for the day. So Alex, and you guys are going, you're not looking at a physical change, you're looking at planning change. Because you guys just went through, like, I know because our report, this is how I know, because our reporter, I read all his stories, so he was, you guys went through forums and you did a survey, you're trying to figure out what does your community want, and apparently right. they love you guys beyond anything. Yeah, that's always good to hear. Um, yeah, the Mass Board of Library Commissioners requires public libraries to have um, five-year plans. Mm -hmm. 
um, on file. So you, you know, if you want to apply for state grants, you need you need that. Um, it's also good to have just so you have a, a guide for what your work for the library is going to be. So we needed to have a new plan, so we, we put one together. Uh, typically you do five-year plans. Uh, I want to do a three-year plan because a lot can happen in, in five years. Um, so yeah, we did a, a community survey. We looked at the results of a, a recent community survey that the town had done more broadly. Um, we held focus groups, and then we did a community forum where we said, here's what we've learned so far. Does that ring true to you? And they said yes. And so <laughs> we wrote the plan, yes, and uh, our board of trustees approved it um, a couple Wednesdays ago. And we sent it off to the MBLC, and we're going to roll it out to the staff and to the public pretty soon. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, so did you guys look at physical plant, too? Or are you pretty like happy in your building? Um, we're happy in our building. We have a, a, a gorgeous 1890 building, mm -hmm. five stories, uh, in a 3.5-acre park with 1,000 feet of waterfront. So we're... <laughs> We're wow, okay. wow, wow, right? Wow. They're we're not giving okay. that up. <laughs> we're okay with it. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, the past year and a half, um, just over a year, we've, we've done some layout changes. So we closed for three days last April and completely rearranged our top three floors. Oh, my God. So it, it used to be that we had, for example, our nonfiction collection was all across four floors, which was inconvenient. And our um, fiction collection, our adult fiction collection, which is the most popular print collection we have was as far away from the front door as you could possibly make it. <laughs> so we, we changed it so that you walk in. for that. Yeah. <laughs> and we had magazines and DVDs housed together, and we had large print in this sort of dark corner with like, ripped up carpet. It was, there were some, there were some trip hazards. So kind we, of tetchy. Yeah. The Hunger Games. <laughs> um, we do have the Hunger Games still. Um, so we rearranged it so that um, nonfiction gets an entire floor to itself. Fiction gets an entire floor to itself. The main floor has the Library of Things. All audiovisual items are housed together. Large print has this nice, safe, well-lit <laughs> area. Um, I'm thinking if you need large print, you yeah, need a large, exactly. well-lit area. Exactly. Yeah. Usually, Usually yeah. So we, we straighten things out, and in doing that, we were able to turn a room that had you know, a hundred years ago been our reference room where most of the, you know, the work had happened and had since become sort of magazine storage and DVDs and sort of this amorphous space. We turned that into a quiet reading room during most of the day, and then at night we can use it as an event space, and um, it also has an art gallery in it. So we can display some of our permanent collection, but right now we have um, student art um, that's honoring the or inspired by the life and work of Martin Luther King Jr. up cool. there for the at least the whole month, um, and we just turned. When is this coming out? <laughs> People might know about this by the time this comes out, but um, we had a storage room in our basement, uh, creatively called Storage B. It was our second storage room <laughs> um, that had for forty years just been full of old furniture, books, magazines that we just uh, weren't. Library didn't have to throw yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But but literally, my first eight months working in Danvers, I had never seen the back wall of the room because it was so full. <laughs> so we we emptied it out. We redid the floors. We painted the walls. Um, installed new lights. It's a 500 square foot room with wow. um, tiled put stuff in floor. There. So it's going to be our um, sort of a flexible classroom space. Nice. That's cool. And uh, so at the beginning, this time last year, we had one meeting room for a population of almost 30,000 people. Now we have three meeting spaces without a, a substantial renovation, just reorganizing things. Um, so, yeah, now with, in the next three years, we'll 
you know, broadly work to optimize our building, um, f things of that nature, try to get out into the public. We, we were just given um, a retired school van to use as a mobile oh, library, cool. so we're going to be nice. popping up all yeah. over town. Oh, and uh, we did a little, <laughs> we did a little free library down at the beach. Yeah, so people could come and oh, go. Those yeah. are pretty cool. That actually turned out really well. People really used it. It was nice. They're pretty cool. And actually, one of the things that was in Storage B, um, <laughs> we're working on the name. Someone suggested. <laughs> I like Storage B. I know. It's, no, like no, it's, it's, it's really <laughs> sticking. Someone suggested the collaboratory, and everyone in the room was like. I hate that. We, yeah. <laughs> we hate it when we storage Our meeting rooms are A and B because we, we have either one big room or we can put oh, up the dividers. Nice. So mm -hmm. we could just call it meeting room B. Yeah. <laughs> SB, uh, for sure. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> one of the things that was in that room was um, really huge, rickety, old um, bookshelves that had been, you know, I think they were one of the first generations of bookshelves in our building. Way too tall, in really rough shape. We couldn't use them. But Essex Tech, the local um, oh, yeah. technical school, yep. came, um, their carpentry students came, took them yeah. apart, brought them back to their school, and they've turned them into um, a collection of little free libraries that we're going to oh, put throughout that's town. Oh, that's, that's neat. That's, yeah. that's a great idea. Yeah, that's you, can you just, like, I, as we're listening to one librarian talk, the Sorry. others, are eyes are just glittering <laughs> with, like, ideas. Like, oh, I want, oh. like, all three of you to come and look at our library in our town and give me ideas <laughs> for yeah. I've always wanted to go see your oh, library because I heard so much about it. It's beautiful. It's, it's very tiny, wonderful. though. It's very, very tiny. But it so sounds we, beautiful. we have no space. But it is a very beautiful and, and And do we still have some, like, those outdated rules about not talking? We never did that. My staff is louder than the public. <laughs> it depends. Like Medford, you've been, you've been I've been there, yes, Medford I've... doesn't have any interior walls. It's just a wide open space. Oh, cool. And with the teen section and the children's section in the same giant rectangle. Okay. So we've never been a quiet library. I know. That's why I love it's, it. It's going to be weird for us when we might actually be quiet in the new place because kids, the teen and children, are going to the second floor. Wow. Where they will be glassed in so they can make all the noise they want. Glass <laughs> <laughs> in the children. We try to have quiet areas. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, the children's room is on a different floor and has closed <laughs> that's doors. That's going to be interesting. So we don't have to worry about children. You know, that room is a lot louder. And yeah, understandably so. We want to make children welcome. Um, but upstairs in the adult computer area, um, that's the historic part of the building, which ours was built in 1891. So um, it doesn't have carpeting and things really echo. So we try to keep that area quiet um, for quiet study and um, that kind of thing. But um, of course, we have a lot of people that come in for tutoring. So we allow tutoring and they have to speak. You know, we don't completely shush people. Mm. We just try to get people to um, take their phone calls like mm. out to our foyers. Our foyers are like wonderful little phone booths where someone <laughs> can have a private <laughs> conversation. Private being the word. Yes, right. exactly. Yes. So we do try to get people to go out to their foyers for their telephone conversations. And we just. We try to walk that fine line of being super friendly, mm -hmm. but keeping some quiet areas. Some because decorum. I really feel that libraries are one of the few sanctuaries of the mind and the soul where we're yes. not trying to sell you anything, mm -hmm. make you believe anything, or advertise <laughs> anything at you. Like when you're at the library, you can just be 
and you can be I think quiet. that's why I like it so much. Mm-hmm. So it's like a little <laughs> refuge. Exactly. Yeah. And we want to keep it that And way. as a kid, it was totally my refuge. So, yeah. Oh, my totally. Nordisk yeah. considerations have really evolved, just jumping on that. Um, there's this idea that libraries used to be these silent places, and mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure if that's true, because um, I wasn't working in libraries back then. But, you know, children's rooms sort of became a thing after the 1930s um, with Anne um, Carol Moore at New York Public Library. That's relatively new. Teen rooms didn't come until... I mean, there are libraries that don't have teen rooms yeah. now. Yeah, we got like two hours. Yeah. Yeah. We got ours in the 60s. I think noise considerations sort of evolved at the same way. So uh, there was at least this idea that the library was always quiet. And then they said, well, you know, certain areas we, we can allow to have noise. And so they would say, okay, it's quiet except for these exceptions. And now I think it's, you know, conversational, mm-hmm. uh, welcoming yeah. noise except for certain areas that are quiet. Because you want to give people the experience that they should have in the library. And for some yeah. people, that's absolute silence. And for some people, that's, ah! Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and so that's, I think, one of the things we're excited about in the new building is we're going to have these little private study rooms. Nice. So if you need silence, you can have silence. I wish I had ten more of those I know. little that's, rooms. Yeah. They are in such big demand. We that's only have one. Really? Interesting. And interesting. we had to put it first come, first serve because... It was just too hard to, you know, um, let people reserve it. But, um, yeah. Things like, Those also, um, we're going to have a quiet room in the children's section for kids who have sensory issues. Sure. Because there's a lot of, that's a great idea. there's just a lot of different experiences going on in the same place. And right now, you know, everybody's getting sort of a basic level, but everybody's not getting what they really need. Because I had a um, mother with a child who has sensory issues and needed to be tutored, couldn't be tutored at home, couldn't concentrate in our big wide open space. So they were in the hallway behind my office. We put a table down there because he could concentrate if he was sort of shut off a bit. But now we'll have, there will be rooms and there's a, as our children's librarian says, if someone has a meltdown, they can go over there. Libraries are very adaptable. Yeah. If yeah. Always yes. I guess yes. I guess I wanted always to that, ask yes. you guys about because we just had a library um, somebody said a story about the Gloucester Library which just implemented this sort of security program because they sort of had a lot of, of issues and you know they went they, they implemented the you know you can't go into the children's section unless you're this person uh-huh. and have a child we don't want you in there um, you know you can't you have to ask for the library the librarian for the key to the restroom um, those kinds of things. And then they, I think they also ha- just out the, implemented a program where they have security officers. And these are like retired police guys, so they kind of know what they're doing. They're trained already, um, we hope. And I guess, you know, you hear all these things. Um, you know, libraries are a very public place. Everybody, yeah. like you said, everybody comes. So what's the balance of, you know, security to the public to, you know, an sort incident of, occur- I don't know. know it varies we've had we had shooter training like we had yeah. somebody from the police come in and talk about what to do and we put in locks in certain places mm-hmm. and things and yeah, it, it varies because I there was recently a post on the Minuteman director thing where there are some libraries that are having really substantial problems with heroin use in, yeah. in their building like Waltham in particular wow. it, but it varies from city to city and what to expect so everybody's very very aware of security things but at the same time like we're pretty 
we have sort of the usual run of people who have issues. We don't have any huge things now, but you have to be aware of what's going on. Yeah. And Security is, um, you know, a serious a issue in, in libraries. Um, I used to work at a, um, I was the director of the Millis Public Library, which is um, in Minuteman, it's south of uh, Framingham, and there was a, um, a shooting incident in town, and all the municipal buildings went into lockdown and evacuated, so we did the whole, um, you know, That's lockdown scary. thing. Yeah. Um, so I hope that is always the most stressful seven and a half minutes of my career. Uh, really? <laughs> one of my major goals. <laughs> no, no, I mean, there was, there was an armed gunman in town. It was oh, um, absolutely a, a serious uh, issue. Um, and after that, uh, we'd already done some training, but after that, we, we really worked hard to make sure we got that training. And I started going to conferences saying, hey, this was our experience. Here's what we did. We think that you should consider this training as well. Yeah. I remember the first time I gave it, fully half the audience was, thank you for talking about this, this is really important, and the other half was disgusted that we were even talking mm, about yeah, security in That's an odd yeah. that response. Not, yeah. My trustees got very, almost angry when yeah. I said we were going to have them come in, and they were like, and I thought, well, it's just, yeah. they're not going to be shooting anything, yeah. it's just we need but, to know yeah. what to do. That person you know? got murdered. Well, in Winchester, yeah, yeah, yeah. Winchester. exactly. But there have been a few murders in, in libraries over the past couple of years. There's been a, there was a shooting in New Mexico. In there was um, California. Wasn't California, there? And, yeah, Sacramento. Um, a, a patron who had been kicked out came back and, and murdered a librarian. So it's, I mean, it's a, oh, a, it's yeah. a serious it's a, issue. We have, um, there are 10,000 public libraries in the United States and 150,000 library workers. Mm-hmm. Um, almost zero libraries have any, you know, none of us are locked down like a school is. Right. No, no. Um, no. Right. And so you know, and your multi floors and, and we're totally and open corners to the public. And, yeah, we're, we're we're always so welcoming. But I you know, must, like, but you must at least say you know, that you can't go into the kids' room unless because I know Medford, the kids' room is right there. Yeah, you really right. can't. You pretty much can see. But what I think we wouldn't doing. say this. But the, but you're also trying to balance security with access. freedom of information, yeah. freedom of access. If somebody right. wants to go get a kids' book and they're an adult. Right, we have a retired yeah. man that reads to a class. He comes in almost every week, gets an armful of books. So we got to know him, but if the first time he tried to come in, we said, sorry, you don't have a child with you. Yeah, we so we try to use common sense and be vigilant. And that's a lot of it. That's what yeah. the police yeah. said, too, is just, it was good because he was a former military person, and he was. everybody felt much better after he came because he talked mm-hmm. about what the police would do when this happened. And someone said, well, how do you know? And he said... You can probably tell if someone comes in and it's really bad, and, and if they had a bag that had a rifle in it, you probably know. <laughs> but he said, you know, you can just kind of be aware. You, you know, he said, you guys work here. You know the rhythms of how this place works. Sure. Mm-hmm. If someone comes in and it's wrong, you get watch. a sense of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so with this new building, we're going to have security cameras and we're going to have. I don't think we're going to have panic buttons because I don't trust some of my staff. But we'll have <laughs> I know Barbara's staff. Yeah, we were very <laughs> conscious of exits and things because sure. this building doesn't have exits from one piece of it. If you're down in the reference department, there's no way out from that side except an internal staircase that people wouldn't know about. So it's that kind of being able to get out, being able to lock yourself in someplace. It, it's interesting. It is. It's kind of. But people really respond very. 
violently to the thought that this might happen, but in, a well, library sure, is a public yeah. building. It's Watch always the news, been public. People. Exactly. Watch the news. Yeah. Really you think it's not going to happen to you until it happens to you. We, for years, had d- discussions with parents who would drop their kids because we're across the street yeah. from a, a school, and they just drop them off. And Not the pre- previous director kept saying to them, you know, this is a public building. What you're basically doing is dropping them at a bus station yeah, and walking away. Exactly. And you have to be conscious that... And we have an age minimum for a child to be at the we library unattended, too, yeah. which is eight. I was... Uh, <laughs> I visited a library that had just been renovated, um, as I am... I think all librarians do whenever you're on yes. vacation. Oh, look, I'll go to this library. And I, you know, That's so... I, I work in libraries, so I was... I was in New Orleans. I was in New Orleans. I went to the library. Always, always. But I was going around, you know, stealing all their ideas. And, uh, Proud librarian. Yeah. I, I went into the, you know, the main area, and then I went to the children's area, and I was really impressed with some of the the setup there and I was just sort of like wow this is a great spot they did a good job here I wonder who the architects were and someone said oh, excuse me sir do you have a child with you and I was like oh no I, I'm sorry I'm, I'm a professional librarian I'm creeping around your building stealing <laughs> ideas from you and there was no one else in the room but they were, they were sort of like is he supposed to be here but uh, on the other hand I've been in libraries that I don't work at where Strangers will come up to me and ask me where books are because I just look. Yeah, like you just radiate that librarian knowledge. That is hilarious. I helped. That is great. I like it. Yeah, yeah, that's it too. It's like sort of natural. I feel like I get that when I go to a, into a bookstore. Apparently, I look like Probably. I know what I'm doing. I get it at the grocery store. But you know what I do too. If I'm in the bookstore and I see things out of like. They're not shelved properly. I'll just sit there. Okay. Maybe that's what <laughs> it drives me really bananas. You work there. It just drives me bananas. I'm like, why did you put that there? That's not even alphabetical. Um, so we just, we just had a great time, and we wanted to um, thank our guests, Melissa Gasper from the Flint Public Library in Middleton. See, I got that. Barbara Kerr from the uh, Medford Public Library, and Alex Lent from, okay, Alex, I just can't. The Peabody Institute. Danvers, <laughs> Danvers Capital uh, D Library. Thank you. Um, but Chris and I always, at the end of our show, we like to ask our guests, what are you reading and yeah. what's on your shelf? This could be like a while, because these guys. Uh, yeah, that's true. You probably what's what's on your mind? So what are you guys reading? What do you, what do you like to read? Okay, I'll start. Um, I'm reading Hope. Oh, it's a really long title, Hope. The life-affirming, heart-opening superpower. Um, I'm sorry, I, I just started it. I don't remember the author, which is terrible for a librarian. But <laughs> it's a stone. great idea. It's um, a man who wrote a book about using superheroes to embody certain qualities to take back our humanity. That's cool. And make the world a better place. Cool. And the idea is that each one of us is a superhero wherever you are, mm. wherever you work, whatever you do. And if you reclaim your humanity and these goes through these different qualities, then you know, we're all gonna make the we're gonna save the world. I like so it. it. It's a great inspirational read. So, so when I you're not reading inspirational <laughs> read, what do you like to? <laughs> what else do you like to read? Um, I like to read romance. I know that's a cliche, but I like yeah, books hot. with happy endings. I like books where um, people overcome struggles mm-hmm. and um, just do positive things. I find good them inspirational. Great. 
I'm reading a book about Rwanda. That sounds cheery. I know, that's a great follow-up. I think we wish to inform you that tomorrow we will be killed with our families. Um, there was a thing on Netflix that was a, wow. a miniseries about Rwanda. And okay. I thought I wanted to read this one. And it's fascinating, horrifying, really interesting. And I'm reading it on the Kindle because the print is bigger. Gosh. Oh, there you go. But yeah, I read funny. I read what comes by me. So it's very... I don't yeah. read any one thing. It's kind of I don't know if I if I ever get around to retiring. I don't know what I'm how I'm going to figure out what to read. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an it's a very good book actually. It's 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 a awful. It was an awful situation, but it's just really interesting. And he's a, he's a very good writer too. We're very. I figured every time I used to like email Barbara about something about the library, we'd be like, this long. What are you reading? What are you reading? What are, what are you doing? And I'd be like, I'm reading this. Like, oh yeah, I've already read that. That was really good. You should try that. <laughs> it was really good. I don't know. I don't read as much now, but now that I've want reading glasses, it's better. It's all better. Alex, what are you reading? I just finished The Bees by Laylene Paul, which um, was it's sort of a magical realism book. It's told from the perspective of a a worker bee in a honey beehive that's good. facing collapse and she's sort of learning about the secrets of the hive and she has secrets of her own she's trying to keep them guarded and it's fascinating it's not at all gimmicky it's it's just incredible and uh i don't know a lot about bees so there were times when we would be reading it and we're like oh i wonder if they really do communicate with this sort of dance and um, i wonder if they really do make this sort of waxy substance to keep warm. And I wonder if they really do transmit their thoughts to each other by touching antennas. But that probably was the fantasy part. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, I, I How would you find out? You never know. Yeah. They really do communicate with the dance. But not by transferring their thoughts. <laughs> uh, but now I'm reading... Yeah, how would you know that? Yeah. She were a bee. So, yeah. uh, but now I'm reading um, A Book of Bees by Sue Hubble, which is um, the memoir of a professional beekeeper. Um, oh. And it, it sort of reminds me of um, All Creatures Great and Small. It's oh, yeah, that, yeah. that vibe yep. to it. But I'm halfway through the book, and she just said, oh, by the way, I used to be a professional librarian. <laughs> I, like, oh, I really want to read your letter of resignation. I like, she wrote but, another book about bugs that has the Medford, yeah. the gypsy moths in it. Yeah, that was she's a great writer. From Medford. Let's tell Wendell, Wendell um, in the Wild about her. But uh, I often read narrative nonfiction about nature, so the, the second book is more like that. But I keep, this is my list of books that I read last year, because I'm a librarian. Um, my mother keeps a list of all the books she reads. <laughs> and I went through it, and I realized that overwhelmingly I read books by authors who looked like me. <laughs> and that's, that's <laughs> a interesting. <laughs> it wasn't. And um, so it's actually a, a thing that most people do. There, there have been really? studies of this. Huh. Most of the time, people read people who are, are like them. and I actually, Do I look like Stephen King to you? <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. Well, <laughs> well, you're both from New England. And there you, you go. Yeah. 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 I'm thinking Louise Penny. I'm like, I, I'm not sure I know what Louise oh, Penny yeah, is. Yeah, I don't know what she looks like either. I love her. But I, I knew this was a trend because there had been a great article on The Guardian about That's it. That's funny. Um, but this year, I'm really trying to read authors who don't look are like significantly you. different than me. Um, I really recommend that people do this because, you know, there are books that have been translated that are amazing. Yeah. There are, um, there's a yeah. whole world out there that people, you know, consciously or unconsciously tend not to dive into. And so I've had, to be clear, zero problems finding amazing, wonderful books 
by authors, even this, with this um, way that I'm restricting my choices. I think we talked recently about about challenges, and I and there yes. was a you always challenge, you always have a reading challenge. I have oh, a reading sorry. challenge. Yeah, I think Chris and I'll probably talk about this in an upcoming or in another episode. But um, it, I think is it is it good books or good news, something good, like that. Goodreads. 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 Yeah. They have a book challenge every year, so you can go on there and. And just look it up. And they have some really funky stuff, like, you know, read a book by a celebrity author. And you're like, I would never read that trash. But, but. you know, it's, that's why it's called a book challenge. And it's usually like ten little things. And, and it's, fun. it's fun to do that. It's fun to challenge yourself. I think this yeah, is we, one of the reasons the book discussion groups are so popular yeah. is that you read something you wouldn't read on your own. Some of which sometimes yes. can be very annoying. But it's also... Get you out of your comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. When I was in college, I, I took a literature class, and it was third. It was, I guess, it was third world literature. So it was all um, just from these small countries. And like you said, I'd never really read. I mean, other than you know, reading British authors or Scottish authors, I never really read any sort of exotic or different authors. And it was really good. I'm like, wow, why have I like limited myself to this? I mean, it's exactly. not like I had to learn the language. They were translated. <laughs> if you go to Soho Press, they, they have a ton of international mysteries that are that are a lot of fun to read. But if you're like me, once this thought is in your head, you realize that yeah. you know, most of us fall into this trap where we read the same things over and over again. Sure. And uh, sometimes absolutely. that's a comfort thing, too, oh, sure. I think. Yeah, sure. but yeah I pick up Robert fun. Parker because I just yeah, need something fun yeah. and light that I don't have to think too hard about that makes me laugh. And is That's why I read Cozy solid. Mysteries. I feel like they're a little yeah. Like, yeah. warm, comfort, mac and cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Quick read. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Something yeah. Yeah. So um, we could probably go on. Yes. All day. So we want to thank Melissa and Barbara and Alex for coming Yes, thank you so much. This thank, has you. Been awesome. thank you. Thank you for having us. And hopefully it won't be our last uh, librarian roundtable. No, we'll so do it again. I am Nell Coakley. I'm Chris Stevens. Thank you for joining us. And this is Book, Book Nation. Nation.